Welcome everyone to Bringing Kids Home, a TBHC foster care and adoption production. I'm Kristen, TBHC's HR manager. We are excited you are joining us today for a special episode about the ministry of serving children through TBHC. We want you to hear how you can make a difference in a child's life. Today's podcast is sponsored by our very own Fostering Success Conference. This conference is for current foster and adoptive parents or those considering fostering or adoption. Find out more at www.tbhc.org slash fostering dash success dash conference. We are excited about our first ever conference that will allow parents time to refresh, worship, learn, and fellowship. Now stick around and hear about ordinary people doing extraordinary things to help bring kids home. Hi, this is Laurie Henthorne. I'm the Donor Engagement Manager for TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. And today we are visiting with Olivia Bentley. She is our family recruiter and developer. Um, hi, Olivia, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, so uh, just want you to introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us, tell me where you're from. That is not a Texas accent, is yeah. it? <laughs> Yeah, so I actually kind of grew up all over the place. My dad was in the military, um, but specifically I moved here from Indiana. I went to an all-women's college there and went to the sister school of the University of Notre Dame. We moved out here May 2021, so it's been almost two years. Mm -hmm. And so I'm um, actually back down in Texas. I used to live in Georgia. So Oh, yeah. well, welcome back down to the South where it's wonderful. <laughs> we are glad you're here. Well, um, we are anxious to get to talking to you today and find out a little bit more about what you do and um, how people can be involved with us. Um, so tell me, in your opinion, what makes TBHC different or unique from other uh, similar agencies? Yes, definitely. So there are multiple agencies in the state of Texas, as well as the DFW area, and we all have a similar purpose and similar contracts with the state. But what makes us all unique is our unique mission and vision. And so for our agency, TBHC, we are a faith-based agency with our purpose being to glorify God by caring for kids. And so that unique mission, vision, and purpose translates into the support that we offer our families. Okay. So you're talking about support. How does TBHC support their families that's maybe a little over and above what the average organization would do? Yes, definitely. So we offer trainings um, in many areas, but specifically trauma-informed parenting. We focus on TBRI, which is known as trust-based re relational intervention. Mm -hmm. That's a mouthful. That yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we offer that training as a part of our you know, training weekend and free service. And we know that with foster care and adoption and parenting these kiddos that are coming from hard places, it requires a unique um, parenting style and strategy. So we really focus on that within our trainings. Um, also financial. So we assist families in ensuring that the kiddos are getting involved in extracurricular activities and maybe therapies that is um, not covered by the insurance or fully covered by the insurance that they have from the state. So we step in as an agency to cover or fill in the gaps financially in some areas if it's needed. And then also donations. So we are really grateful to be in great connections with churches and organizations and businesses that, and just other individuals in the community that offer us 
um, donated items. And that looks like, you know, Christmas gifts around Christmas season, back to school type school supplies. We received that as well in August and just in the summer months. And then uh, also there are items that families need to become state minimum standard ready. So like lock boxes for medications and things of that nature. And so we do receive those items from the community that we are then able to feed back into our families. So we're really grateful to have that support from the community. That's awesome. I, that is one thing I've noticed since being here is how um, ready our community members are to reach out and try to meet those needs that, that we have. So that, that you're definitely right about that. Um, so what is the greatest need that you see right now? Yes. Yeah, so Taking a look at the statistics of children that are in foster care right now, we see that there are three main areas that there are higher percentages of children that are in foster care in. So one being is uh, children over the age of five, so school-aged children, more specifically teenagers. Those are the most challenging uh, kiddos to place in foster care and adoptive homes right now. Um, so there's definitely a need for that. Um, also higher levels of care. Um, we see that the higher the level of care of that ch child or children, the harder it is to place them in foster and adoptive homes. So when you say a higher level of care, what, what are you referring to? So the state of Texas will look at children um, based on, will look at what is required to care for children that are in foster care. And so they'll look at multiple areas such as um, behavioral challenges, medical diagnoses, mental health diagnoses. And based on the need and what is needed to care for these kiddos, they'll be placed higher on the levels of care. Mm -hmm. And so there is definitely a need right now for foster families to take on these higher level care children, especially since we are seeing children are coming into care with more trauma. And why we are seeing that is because CPS is having to have more grounds for removal which means that they need to see more severe cases of abuse and neglect. And so, as you can guess, that is translating into more, you know, diagnoses and more behaviors. And so um, that's why we're seeing those higher level of care children coming through right now. And then lastly would be sibling groups. So we know that 70% of children that are in foster care are a part of a sibling group. And so um, there, are def there is definitely a need for families to take on siblings. Um, CPS is very adamant about keeping those siblings together, which is really important um, for those kids as well. They want to stay with their siblings. And so we do see that that is a need as well. Okay. So if someone can't, if a family can't be found within Ellis County, then what happens? Yes. Yeah, so if there is not a placement for children in their county, then they will look to surrounding counties and um, if not, they'll look to the rest of the region, so on and so forth. So um, they really try to place children as close to their original community as possible because the goal of foster care is to uh, see reunification happen. And the further out that they're placed, the harder it is to attain that goal. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so I know, you know, a lot of families know there's a need and feel convicted about that need but they're just very hesitant to jump into foster care. Why, why do you think that is? Yeah, so there are two areas of that question that I think that families may be a little bit more hesitant to go into foster care. 
One being is there's this concern of becoming too attached to children, which is understandable. You welcome a child into your home, you love and care for them as if they're your own biological child. And to just have to say goodbye to them, um, maybe less than a year later is hard, it's, it's challenging. But um, there is such a need for children to have good attachment and good secure attachment as a child and adolescent. Um, they're in their formative years. And without that, that can translate into um, really negative impacts as they grow older into their adulthood, whether that be um, difficulty maintaining and developing relationships or um, just being able to um, do well in school or secondary education. So it's really important that they have that attachment. And then also misunderstanding, uh, the second one is just having a misunderstanding of why reunification is so important. Um, it's hard to look at situations of how children ended up in the foster care and still believe that reunification is important mm -hmm. and that it is attainable. Um, but that is what makes foster care so unique. It gives the family enough time to really heal, work their services, do what they need to do so that they can welcome their kiddos back home. And as believers and as, um, you know, as a faith-based agency, we do believe that God doesn't intend for families to break up and or to be broken. And so when we can see reunification and healing happen, that is always the best outcome for these kiddos. Mm -hmm. I know one example in particular with our foster, uh, with a foster family that we do have, she really worked alongside uh, this particular family um, of a foster child that she had in her home and would um, make connections with them while she was fostering. And when reunification did happen, she didn't stop there. She continued to offer the family support. She brought them dinner. She helped the mom care for that, that child while she was sick, brought medication and, um, and a thermometer and things wow. of that nature. <laughs> and that, because of her continuous support, not only for the child, but for the whole family, we have seen in that situation that reunification has been very successful and the family has been doing really well. So it is a unique opportunity to not only minister and serve the child, but to also serve the whole family. Wow. Well, that is such a neat story. Yeah. I love that. Tell me some things you hear, like common myths or misconceptions about foster, foster care and adoption. Yes. So there are several myths that we hear, um, several miscon misconceptions when it comes to children in foster care. And so one that we hear often is that um, the younger the child is, the least amount of trauma that they've experienced. Um, which is not always the case. We know that children and or really infants, they can experience trauma in utero for several reasons, which could impact developmentally as they grow older. Also, um, going back to God, like he never intends for us to be separated from our families. So even while we're in the womb, we recognize our families, our, our parents' voices. We recognize um, them really early on. And when we're separated from that, that can have devastating impacts biologically. There's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score, which does not focus on foster care and adoption, but it does focus on veterans and PTSD and talks about how you may not remember that trauma, but your body remembers it. And that mm. could have really big impacts biologically. 
Um, and so we do see that occurring for those infants as they develop and grow older. Another myth that we see too is uh, we have a lot of families that will want to maintain birth order. Um, one of the common reasons for that is because they believe that older children will have a negative impact on their younger kiddos that are already at home, um, which is a valid concern. We definitely recognize that, but I think it is important to know that no matter the age of the child that you're welcoming into your home from foster care and adoption, um, it will have an impact on your biological children. Also think about when you had your fourth, maybe third, second child, mm -hmm. it did impact your whole family unit. Right. You're bringing in a new member into your home. So um, older kiddos, they, they're sweet. They, um, there is such a need for those older kiddos. We want to find homes for them. And, um, you know, we definitely just want to harp on that as an agency and just going back to what the need is right now. And then that really just kind of falls in line with like that last myth that I can think of is that we hear a lot that teens tend to be criminals or be very violent. And um, that's not always the case. It's important to know that children, when they come into foster care, it's because of the actions of their parents. It mm -hmm. has nothing to do with what they've done. And if they have participated in criminal activity or violence, it's often linked to the trauma that they've endured. And so we've seen situations of when children, when teens are in a loving home and they're feeling that felt safety, they feel heard, that those behaviors tend to correct themselves over mm -hmm. time. That's awesome. Um, so what are some things that you feel like are important for families to keep in mind when, when they begin their foster adoption journey or, or even are just considering it? Yeah. I would say to first evaluate what your support network looks like. Um, are you a part of a church? And if so, do they have a foster care and adoption ministry? Do you have relatives that live in the area? If not, do you have a good um, friend group of friends or going back to church? Do you have a lot of good, great connections at churches? Because if you have parented your own kiddos, this is still going to be very difficult. And we don't like to sugarcoat that. It involves a lot of emotions and just um, a lot of sacrifices along the way, um, but it is worth it all in the end. So just evaluate what that support network looks like because you may want to utilize them for support, maybe even babysitting as well. Um, mm -hmm. So really be considering that. And then lastly, I would just say to consider the need. We don't expect families to come in ready to tackle and meet all the needs of the children that are in care. But we do say that if you are willing to meet at least one of the needs, you are serving um, kiddos really well in this area. Um, I, I kind of go back to our mission and our purpose as an agency. We are here to glorify God by caring for kids. And we really can't actively do that unless we have families willing to step in to those challenges and step into the hard. And that's why we're here. We're here to offer that support. And we know it's going to be difficult, but we're here to support you throughout the that whole journey and um, just give you that guidance and support. That's so good. I, I know that um, the foster system itself kind of has a sour taste for some people. Um, it, it feels like a broken system. And in some places, I, or some ways, I believe it is. However, an agency like TBHC is is here to, I think, fill in those gaps and, and um, help mend it as, as much as possible. So um, with all that, you know, the, the preparation that the families go through, 
and the support system that that is offered here, I think, is so important. Um, so let's say some out, someone out there is listening and and feels um, a tug at their heart to maybe reach out and see if, if fostering is for them. What's what's the procedure? What do they do? Yes, definitely. So you can go on to tbhc.org and you'll see a tab called Get Started. You click on that tab, you'll be taken to our inquiry form. Those inquiry forms come directly to me and I reach out to all of those that come through. And your next step really would be to attend a first steps meeting. We do uh, two virtually a month, although we can um, schedule one-on-one -on -one if needed. And um, it's non-commitment. So there's no commitment to attending one of these meetings. It's just for informational purposes. But the fact that if after that meeting, you feel compelled to take your next steps, then we'll assist you through that journey and get you started on our five-step licensing process. Okay, that's awesome. And, and just real quick, like uh, say someone was to get started today, about how long does the process normally take? Yeah, so it could take anywhere between three to six months. Um, it really just depends on the family's willingness to get through that process quickly, or if they want to go through it slowly, it's up to the pace of the family. I would say that there's only three major areas that cause kind of a waiting period, and that would just be um, some approvals that need to be made. And backtrack a little bit, there's two major areas that cause a waiting period. So that would be... Uh, approvals that need to be made as well as the home study process. So the home study can take up to a month of approval, but aside from that, it's really up to the family. Okay, that's awesome. Well, I hope that your inbox is flooded with people um, wanting to, to go through that first steps um, process. And um, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today. It was great visiting with you and thank you for what you do here. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to get in touch with today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can contact us through our email, podcast at tbhc.org. That's podcast at tbhc.org. Leave us a comment, recommend a guest to our show, and give us a five-star review wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information, check out our website, tbhc.org, and discover how you can participate in bringing kids home.